This episode is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor makes it super easy to create a podcast. Record or edit right from your phone or computer, add music and effects, and then publish. With one click, Anchor will distribute your podcast to Spotify, Apple, and all the other platforms. And here's the best thing. Anchor will help you make money from your podcast by finding you sponsors. We use Anchor here on Talk Money, and it's everything we need in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now on to the show. Welcome to Talk Money. I'm your host, Mesh Lakani. And as always, it's my job to demystify all the things your money goes into. In the last episode, we covered what you need to know when looking for and making an offer on your first home. Some of us might be able to make an all-cash purchase, but most of us can't. So today, we're jumping into part two of first-time home buying. Now, this is super important. We're going to be talking about how to finance the purchase of your home with a mortgage. We'll also explore the future of this industry and how tech companies are changing the way the home buying process works. Even if you think you're stuck renting and will never be able to buy a home, there might be an option for you. Stay tuned. Now, the mortgage is probably going to be the most important part of your whole home buying process. So what is it? A mortgage is just a vehicle that enables someone to purchase a house. There's very few people that have cash and can pay for the entire purchase of a home um, without taking out a loan. That's John Tooley's, a dear friend of mine. He spent over three decades in the mortgage industry and is currently a lender at Capital Mortgage Funding, one of the largest mortgage banks in the country. So a mortgage is a loan that is secured by the property that you're buying and can be payable anywhere from 10 to 30 years. You know, there's a lot of programs out there right now for first-time homebuyers that offer a lot of flexibility. And what have you seen, you know, to get a mortgage? Is there a range? Is there like an exact number? I've heard 20%, I hear 10%. Um, what's important to have for your down payment? By and large, on average for a first-time homebuyer, is anywhere from five to ten percent down payment. We don't see a lot of first-time homebuyers with a twenty percent down payment, though that certainly is preferable because there will not be mortgage insurance um, with at least a twenty percent down payment. Mortgage insurance is really to protect the lender. So if someone decides to put less than twenty percent down, there is mortgage insurance in one way or another. It could be in an increased interest rate and be built in there, or it could be on a monthly basis as well. I want to pause here and explain a few things. When a mortgage bank lends you money to buy a home, they want to make sure they're going to get their money back. And they want to know that you also have skin in the game. Your skin in the game is your down payment. The more you give, the more the house you own, which means the less money you borrow, which means the less interest you pay. When you give less than a 20% down payment, the bank wants to add an extra cushion of safety, which will be mortgage insurance. So in case of defaults, it covers a certain percentage of the loan for the lender. That said, mortgage insurance is an additional cost to your monthly payment. So while you put down less money in the down payment, your monthly payout is more. There are some programs for folks, government programs, where you're putting a, a, you know 3% down or, or a little bit more than that. What qualifies you for that? Um, the qualification standards are a little bit tighter than they would be for a normal loan. So 
Um, generally, most of those programs do require at least a 680 FICO score. If you don't know what a FICO score is, it is essentially a credit rating, typically out of 850. It's what a lender looks at to determine how risky you are. 680 and above, you're usually in good shape. I check my score using NerdWallet or Credit Karma. Every lender utilizes your FICO score for purposes of what your rate is going to be, as well as what the mortgage insurance rate is going to be. And your credit score will be a factor in the pre-approval process. But even if you have good credit, there's a whole bunch of documentation you should be prepared with. So things like W-2s and paycheck stubs, tax returns if someone's self-employed or gains a lot of their income through commission or bonuses, um, and then information and documentation on assets. So what is going to be used for the down payment and the closing costs? And you know the lender will need to collect bank or credit union or investment account statements. Um, if the money for the down payment is coming from a gift, there will be requirements for that, including a gift letter from the donor. And then Seems like a lot, right? So let's say you are approved. You might have forgotten by now what exactly that means. Well, let's remind you. We're approving this buyer for the maximum monthly mortgage payment, which then we will translate into here's how much of a purchase price, here's how much of a, you know, a loan amount, and compute what the down payment's going to be as well as the monthly payment. It's difficult for a lender to approve you strictly on a loan amount because technically we're looking at the debt-to-income ratio is a major part of this. For a mortgage lender to decide how much of a loan they're willing to give you, they're going to look at your debt-to-income ratio, which is a percentage of how much of your monthly earnings go out to your monthly expenses. You take all your monthly expenses and divide them by your monthly income from your job, and you get a percentage number. The lower that number, the less risky you are as a borrower. The higher that number, it means more of your monthly income is going to pay your debt, which makes you more risky to lend to. And then I think even more importantly than that, Mesh, is what is someone comfortable with? And we want to look at where they are now and what the new payment is going to be. So if someone is going from renting and paying $2,000 a month and buying a house, they're now at $3,500 a month. Now, that is referred to as payment shock. Is this buyer going to be able to handle that? And if someone is at the maximum debt-to-income ratio, you know, it may be very challenging. Is that really more the, well, maybe that home specifically is too expensive for them and, you know, they can lower that cost by going for something less. And if they don't want something less, then maybe they just continue to wait till they've saved up more money. It's a gut level thing. So there is a difference between what we can approve someone for and what what's truly in their best interest. Um, and only they can decide that. But I think with a good lender, whether they're broker or, or mortgage banker, they should be able to bring that up to you. Right. And, you know, the other piece of advice, which we certainly don't mind giving, is, you know, maybe you need to wait. You need more of a down payment. You know, maybe now is not the best time for you to buy. But let's say it is the right time for you to buy. So how much does this loan cost you? Well, aside from the amount you're borrowing, pay attention to the rate and the term. The mortgage rate determines the amount of interest you pay on an annual basis, broken down into monthly payments. I don't know that anyone is ever satisfied with the rate they get, no matter how low rates have gotten. And, and it's just human nature. We all want to get the lowest rate we possibly can if we're borrowing money. The best thing I can tell someone is probably to compare rates with a couple different lenders, give them the same criteria, 
do it on the same day. So you're comparing apples versus apples. And rates can change on a daily basis. Generally, there's not a big difference between rates out there. The important thing, I think, is getting truly a bona fide rate quote from a respected lender. Can you tell us about the term? This is the amount of time that you are paying off uh, your loan to the bank. Um, this is something that goes back and forth for people, a 10-year versus a 30-year. Yes. So I would say that as far as for first-time homebuyers, probably 90 to 95% of the mortgages we do are a 30-year term. Reason being is the payment is much more affordable when it's stretched out over 30 years rather than, you know, we can go as short as actually five years. Um, but your loan is going to be a lot higher. So when someone says to you, well, do you want a 30-year fixed or 15-year fixed, you know, just make certain that it is fixed for the life of the loan. And that means the rate is fixed? Yes. So the rate is, is locked in for the entire loan, unlike an adjustable rate mortgage where the rate could change depending on the frequency as often as maybe every year. So, you know, most first-time home buyers, we recommend, and I, you know, we're pretty conservative about this, is to go with a fixed-rate product. And typically, it does end up to be a 30-year term, um, just because if you do go with a 15-year, which we'd love to see people go with, um, the payment is typically mm, somewhere in the range of 25 to 35% higher. But in that case... Uh, for a 15-year fix, that person is paying less interest over time. Absolutely, they are. Um, it, it's a tremendous difference. You know, if you look at it month by month on an amortization schedule, which shows you how much goes to principal and how much goes to interest, it's amazing how much is on a 15-year versus a 30-year. On a 30-year, your first few years, so little of your payment is going to principal. It does make a dramatic difference. At this point, I think we have a good understanding on how to be prepared to buy your first home. We learn how to find the right realtor, find a home that works for you, and think about the value you're getting. And finally, how the mortgage process works for when you're ready to pull the trigger. I do think it's important to learn more of where the future of home buying is going. There are so many tech companies out there trying to make it easier for us to buy a home. Compass Real Estate being one of them. Another one is Open Door. They let you buy and sell homes online. Zillow is now getting into that game as well. They're known as iBuyers. I had the chance to talk to Adina Hefetz, the co-founder of Divi Homes, a company that is helping home buyers put a down payment on a home with the rent-to-buy model. Divi fundamentally creates homeowners. We partner with renters on their path to homeownership. So we help them with everything from first starting to find a home. We then purchase the home on behalf of them. And we let them rent back the home from us um, and put part of their payment um, every month towards, towards building equity in the home. As they start to build up equity in the home over time, they have a buyout right. Um, and whenever they're ready, we will give them credit for for the equity they've built up as their down payment, and they can buy out the house in its entirety. Um, this is important to us because we feel like um, the path to homeownership has become more complicated over time and more challenging. And so we love the idea of helping provide a beautiful bridge from, from starting off renting into fully owning a home. Where do you think the issue with homeownership um, has come from 
it seems like it's a common question that keeps occurring is why, you know, a generation of millennials or the people after them aren't buying homes. So I actually break it down into two, two areas. The first one is they're more financially complex. And what financially complex means um, is a few different things, which is one, um, coming out of, of school with more student debt, which is just um, something that, that prior generations didn't have, but also things like changing jobs more frequently um, or having multiple income streams. So this is someone who's the teacher who also is an Uber driver on the side and maybe delivers for DoorDash. All these complexities are really challenging to underwrite an individual um, and really make it hard and difficult to, to get a mortgage. So financial complexity is one. I'd say the second thing um, is just savings and down payment. Um, so the median amount of savings in the U.S. across all assets, any liquid, is about $4,000. The average down payment, about $30,000. So the result of these two things, financial complexity and not having a down payment, means that people are staying perennial renters. So on average, in the 1970s, people rented for, call it, two to three years. Today, that number is close to six years. Um, and I think that this sort of added complexity, financial complexity in Americans' lives has been really what has caused um, people to struggle with accessing mortgages. Is there something that we're missing? Like maybe these borrowers are super risky. They shouldn't be buying homes in the first place. Or is it that there isn't a way or a method or a, a new way for people to do this? Are you taking a, a ton more risk with folks that maybe shouldn't be owning a home in the first place? Um, Post-recession, Fannie Mae, um, as well as all the GSEs, really tightened their underwriting requirements, which I think was actually quite advisable. Um, and so there, there is this population that just fundamentally are too risky and cannot access a mortgage today because of their credit background and, and credit history. However, that's not the entire population, and that's not everyone. There's an entire population of folks who make a steady income, um, are high earners, but maybe just are a little bit more complex and just haven't saved up their down payment. So I would say I'd bucket those two out. Um, the problem is, is that we've completely wiped out offering either of those buckets access to homeownership, um, whereas I think that you know, there's, there's probably a difference between people who are just fundamentally risky and shouldn't be given a mortgage versus um, just don't fit into um, the, the typical background of being a man and woman who are married um, and have worked the same job for the last 15 years. Yeah, I live in an apartment in Brooklyn. It is expensive to rent. If I was to buy that place, it would be significantly more because I don't have the down payment. But I could potentially be paying the monthly payments. Is that who you're talking about in terms of the people? It's folks that don't have, let's say, the cash amount for a down payment, but they are healthy in terms of earnings, can make regular payments, they just need help. It's, it is that population. It's also, though, me. Like, I've applied for a mortgage a couple of times, and I can't access a mortgage. Why? Because I'm the founder of a startup, um, right? And I am seen as fundamentally being risky because I have an early-stage startup company, and I haven't worked there long enough, and I don't have a long enough job history. So I kind of fall into the bucket, even if I do have the down payment available, right? And someone else might fall into the bucket, um, because they just have, call it $100,000 of student debt. And no matter how much you have an income, it's very hard to offset that. There's a lot of financial complexity that exists today that just didn't exist um, when mortgages were created, which was like in the 1930s. Things are different now in comparison to 80 or 90 years ago. Things are different now in comparison to 20 years ago. 
We have more student debt because universities are more expensive than they were in the past, and salaries have not risen at the same pace. If you're in the growing gig economy, you'd be lucky to even have a grasp of what your annual income will be. Is this notion of the American dream real? Is renting better than buying? This is intimidating and complex, but there is an upside. It brings us back to our question from the beginning of this episode: Should you aspire to buy a home? From a pure economic perspective, owning a home has proven to be a tremendous value add for creating wealth for family. Owning a home has financially just a tremendous amount of benefits.、Um, the reason why is one, you're investing in a house, and that house is generally increasing in value, which means that the money that you're putting into that house、um, is increasing and compounding over time. Number two. Um, it's very hard to take money out of a house, and so essentially, you know, when you start to fall on hard times, generally you pull your money out of the stock market or something like that.、Um, you generally have to keep your money in a house, which means that the compound effect gets gets quite a bit more multiplied.、Um, the third thing is there aren't many investment vehicles that you get to live inside of. You can't even if you invest in the S and P five hundred, you can't live inside the S and P five hundred, and you can live inside a house, right? And you can get tremendous leverage on it. So overall, owning a home has proven to have tremendous positive impacts on wealth. So look, there's always going to be this population who who really values renting because it has tremendous flexibility.、Um, the American dream is going strong,、uh, and most folks do truly want to own. And there are tremendous financial benefits to doing so. Okay, your target customer.、Um... How do they qualify for this? What's the process? How much do you charge them? Can you walk me through that flow? Yep. So the way it works for our customers is they first land on our website. It's divihomes.com, and from there we put them through a really short application. So it's usually less than like three minutes,、um, and from there we're able to give them a budget to say, okay, based off of everything you've told us about your financial profile, we think a safe amount for you to pay. Is let's call it a thousand dollars a month, and this thousand dollars a month translates roughly into a set home price. And we'll give you both those things,、um, and we will partner you with an agent. The things that we're looking at for this individual to qualify is we do do a soft credit check, so we check their credit history,、um, we check their income to make sure that they have enough income to support the amount of payments,、um, and then we just ask them how much they have saved up, so we can see if there's any initial cushion.、Um, That they can, you know, have just in terms of of payments. So, the real perspective of of what we're trying to get at is here is a safe budget, which for a lot of folks, coming up with your own budget is just challenging.、Mm-hmm. And so, for us, we say, don't worry about thinking about this. We're going to tell you what this is. We're going to send you them with an agent, and you can go out home shopping. And when you're ready to put in an offer on a home, the agent initiates that offer with Divi,、um, and Divi goes in to purchase the home on your behalf. The benefit of this is like. Buying a home is really hard. I don't know about you, but you'll probably buy about one home in your entire life. Divi, we've bought hundreds of homes,、um, and so when we go in to bid on a home, we know the right price that we should be offering. We know to look at things like: are there brown spots on the roof, which indicates that maybe there's going to be an issue with that home.、Um, we can do these assessments that would just be challenging for a first-time homebuyer, and can be almost their trusted partner along the way. You, you buy the home, and then they're essentially renting the home from you,、uh, but building up a cushion to eventually be a down payment. Can you talk about the, that second half of how they end up owning the home? So when we put an offer in on a home, prior to closing, we we have the the tenant put in two percent of the home value, 
Um, so they have 2%, we have 98%. And that's really important because we want them to have a little bit of skin in the game. We purchased this house just for them. Um, so they start off by putting in 2% of the home value. That's not a fee, that's their, their ownership percentage. And then every single month they make one monthly payment. Let's say that payment is about $1,000. Generally about 250 of that $1,000 will go towards building equity in the home. And then 750 will be our our revenue, which is rent. So that's just pure rent. That $250 um, turns into equity that they own in the home. And so your 2% ownership that you're starting with goes up to 2.1% the next month, 2.2% the next month, 2.3% the next month. We build them up to 10% over the course of three years. The reason why 10% is in general, if you have 10% of the home, that should work as the average down payment in, in the US. Um, and so once they get up to 10%, um, we partner them with a, a mortgage broker and they can go out and get a mortgage and then buy out the home using that 10% as their down payment. And when you say 10% equity, it's ownership in the home, but in addition to for them building up to that 10%, they've been paying you rent and that's how you guys make your money. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So we're just like a traditional landlord where we make our money off of rent, but we're a little bit of a, I would just say like no landlord offers you this, which is just this amazing option, which is um, buy into the house that you're ultimately right. Rent, rent to buy. And, and traditionally buy, these folks wouldn't even have the option to buy, correct? You're giving them the option to buy. There, There is no comparison of what this is for them now. Correct. And so without a doubt, Dibby is a much better option than renting. The potential here is exciting, but it is important to realize why traditional options like a mortgage are preferable. If you can access a mortgage, ultimately mortgages are backed by the government. Government has kept interest rates the lowest they've been ever. And so I can't compete with right. the government. If you can get a mortgage, that is by far the cheapest option because the government subsidizes it. Um, we, we're very transparent with our customers. If you can get a mortgage, that is the cheapest option. Um, but we are definitively better than renting. But even if you don't go the traditional route and instead use Divi's rent-to-buy model, they are essentially enabling you to take advantage of the benefits of a traditional mortgage. So now you've got your down payment and all you need is a mortgage broker, and Divi helps guide you to one. We really look for someone who um, is going to have an, a very personal touch with our customers. Um, so we like folks who are, have an office in, in the local area um, who will spend time talking through with our customers what the mortgage experience is going to be like. Um, because this is a transition. Now, in general, when you go from a Divi payment to a mortgage payment, like I said, mortgages are your cheapest option. So you actually step down in payment generally when you go onto a mortgage. Um, so in general, we feel fairly comfortable that our customers will be able to make their mortgage payment. Um, but just understanding the commitment that they need to be making is, is kind of what we do. So today we partner with a few of the, the major mortgage brokers. We'll um, introduce our customers to them. Our customers have the option of who they feel most comfortable working with. And then what happens to somebody, you know, an unfortunate situation happens, um, you know, just like any potential borrower that goes south. If they can't pay rent anymore, what what are they liable for? How do you work it out with them? A bank would take someone's home. They would get evicted if they can't pay their rent. What is the case for Divi? Um, so the way we work is if you can't make a payment, the first thing we'll try to do is um, figure out why and figure out if maybe we can get you on a payment plan or, or something to try to get you up to speed. Um, if that is looking like it's just not going to be possible, um, what we do is um, we do move forward with, with an eviction or we break your lease um, and we will cash you out for half the equity um, in the home. 
Um, and the reason why we say half the equity that you've built up in the home um, is because we've covered closing costs, your inspection fees, like all moving costs. And so there's just a ton of transaction costs with a home. And so um, we just need to, to keep that half just to make us sort of break even um, on the transaction. I think this company is solving an interesting problem, and I'm excited to see them grow. Divi is currently active in Cleveland, Atlanta, and Memphis, but Adina says they're expanding tremendously next year in 2020. I'll keep you updated as they bring their solutions to new markets. It's crazy to think of the creative ways companies are making home buying possible. Um, Adina, thanks for being on the Talk Money podcast. Very much appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. Take care. So there it is. All the things you need to think about when buying your first home. The point of this two-part episode was to challenge you. I'm not telling you to go out and buy a home, but hopefully we've equipped you with the knowledge to see if it's the right financial decision for you. Are you ready to own a home at this time of your life? If you are, great. You have all the tools to get started. And if you're not, that's okay too. Don't get distracted by folks telling you to go out and buy a home or that you're wasting your money on rent. Run the numbers. Think about it long and hard and make the best decision for yourself. Everyone's different. I'm Mesh Lakani, and thank you for joining me on this episode of Talk Money. I'd like to thank my guests, John Tulis and Adina Heffitz, for their amazing insight. Please find their information in the show notes. And remember, you can always see the written format of this episode and others on thetalkmoney.com. I'd also like to thank my producer and editor, Max Miller, for his amazing work, and the folks at Anchor for their hospitality. Our music is by Blue Dot Sessions. Please subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you choose to listen. And if you like this episode, please share it with your friends. Till next time. This episode is for informational purposes only, and listeners should not construe information, interviews, analysis, or other material embodied within the episode as legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. This episode and its contents are intended to be of a general nature, and listeners are advised to seek professional financial advice in connection with any personal investment decisions.